Good morning. How's everybody doing today? We just sang a hymn. I just want to read the last verse of that hymn we just sang because it's important, I believe, for all of us to make wise decisions in life. And the decision that I'm going to leave you with today has eternity in mind. Choose now, just now, for your soul's at stake. Oh, what will your answer be? Tis life or death, and the choice that you make is made for eternity. I'd like us to think about that today. Okay, uh, some of you know me, some of you don't. My name is Tom Rodriguez. Um, I'm married to Mary. We have three daughters, son-in-law, a dog, (laughs) and a bird. I'm a policeman. I've been one for almost 37 years. Uh, I work on the street every day. I supervise, I'm a sergeant. I supervise uh, 22 people in a uh, motorcycle unit. I ride a bike, and I've ridden one for forever. <laughs> uh, but, but first, uh, those of you who were here this morning, I want to talk to some of you who were here this morning at our, uh, at our Breaking of Bread. Um, as Matt uh, shared his devotional with us, I just want you to know that uh, as I was sitting and participating also, I, I thought how good the Holy Spirit is to all of us because the message that we heard this morning from our brother Matt really marries with the message that I have today. So um, with that, I'm going to just share a couple of things with you before we actually look at the Word of God. Um, and as a policeman, so this, this message today really has a, a law enforcement theme to it, and it has a, a, a criminal theme to it, and it has a court theme to it. Yeah, and I, I, I know those only too well. About nine months ago, I, I was a, a witness in a 1538.5 suppression hearing. I stopped a guy up on Vasco Road uh, in his Corvette. It was, it was called a pretext stop. The uh, narcotic units wanted that vehicle stopped. The airplane was in the sky. They were directing me where they wanted me to go. I had to find the violation. I found a violation. I stopped the driver. Uh, we didn't, the, the narcotic units didn't know who he was. We had to get him ID'd. So after we got the car stopped, after I got the car stopped, um, they showed up, everybody was talking. I, it was a Corvette, so I walked over, and I, you know, I don't own a Corvette, but I'm looking at it, it's kind of a nice car, and I walked over to the, uh, to the gas filler tank. Oh, this is neat looking, so I just opened the, I'm not making this up. I opened the gas filler tank, and bingo, there's a kilo of cocaine in it. So I told the agent, I said, you probably want to look at this. You know? So, uh, a kilo of cocaine. Well, the 1538-5 suppression hearing is his lawyer is trying to get, uh, I should back up, he did uh, five years in the federal prison for trafficking drugs. He'd been out for seven months, and he's trafficking drugs again. Yeah. So I'm at the hearing, and while I'm there, I'm testifying for the people, for the state of California. And and, and the the district attorney is, is asking me questions, and the judge is here, and the defendant is the counselor there, and the... The uh, court clerk is the, the stenographer is doing her thing, and and as, as I'm talking and I'm, I'm explaining the reason for the stop because that's what they were doing. If the stop is bad, then everything after the stop is bad. It's called the fruit of the poisonous tree. If you if your stop is no good, then anything you pick up after the stop is no good. Also, so we lose the cocaine. If you lose the cocaine, you don't have a case. So in this case here, my stop is legit. There's no problem with the stop. And as I'm testifying, as I'm talking, whoa! And I thought, whoa, 
And that's what the judge did with his gavel. And we all stopped the courtroom. Whoa. And I'm looking at the judge. Oh, what just happened here? And as I'm looking at him, and the DA has stopped, and he's looking at the judge, and the judge is now looking at the defendant. And this is exactly what he said. I'm not going to make any of this up. I'll quote it. I have the power to change the world in which you live in, and I have the power to change your entire life as you now know it. And he was saying that to the defendant. Because in the courtroom, the defendant was mocking my testimony. And the judge felt that, the, that he was mocking the courtroom. And he was mocking court. And so the DA said, Your Honor, could we have a, a brief five-minute recess? Because, like, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Whoa. And, and everybody's a little nervous. So the DA and I went outside, and he said, Tom, don't worry about it. That's not our problem. Just continue to testify. Okay, we walked back in, and then the defendant's lawyer did say to him, Your Honor, we would like to make a statement before the court. And he said, well, go ahead, but make it brief. And Mr. Williams is the defendant's name. He said, Your Honor, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the judge says, okay, no more outbursts like that. We will continue. But remember, Mr. Williams, this is a court of law. This is a court of law. And I want you to know that that has haunted me for a long time. Those words that the judge said, I have the power to change the world in which you live in. And I have the power to change your entire life as you know it. Wow. So why am I telling you that? Well, my text today is going to come out of the book of Revelation, chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 11 through 15 because there's a court there also. And there are people who are going to be at that court. And those people are going to be all the ones who do not have their names written in this specific book. And they're going to be judged. And it's highly possible that there are people in this room today, right now, who are going to be at that judgment. So, what I want to do is also say to you, to tell you this about law enforcement. A lot of people dial 911 because they need help. And they want the cops to come and help them. And I don't know how many 911 calls I've responded to. Shootings, stabbings, robberies, injuries. I, I can't tell you how many I've responded to. And then the, the people who call us want us to fix something. Fix the problem that they have. But today I want to dial 911 to all of you who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you have a problem and I want to help you fix it. You have a problem. And so this morning, I would like you to listen to me with very attentive ears. And when I'm all done, I'm going to sit up here and wait. And if anybody wants to talk to me about this very important problem that you have, I want you to come see me. And if you don't want to talk to me, there's Rick Bellis over there, and there's Don Robertson there, and Charlie Epps there. And there's a number of people who, who know what I'm talking about. You talk to them, okay? So today I'm going to title my message, A Court Date. A court date. 
so let me just run a couple of things by so that you know what's happening. Uh, I get subpoenaed to court weekly. I have a stack of subpoenas at the station right now. And I, I usually testify as a prosecution witness. Sometimes I've testified for the defense, but that's very rare. I have testified in civil trials, DMV hearings, uh, but for the most part, it's always for the prosecution. But you start with a subpoena. The people of the state of California to Sergeant Tom Rodriguez. Uh, uh, people versus whoever. You need to appear at the time and place check. Date, time, courtroom, blah, blah, blah. Here's the district attorney you have to meet with, and then, and then we talk about the case. And then I testify. When I walk into the courtroom, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you God? I do. State your name. State your badge number, state the agency you work for, and please have a seat at the witness table. So you do that. And you sit down, then the district attorney starts, then uh, on direct examination, then the, the uh, defense attorney has uh, their opportunity for uh, their testimony, then you go to redirect, and then we just go from there, depending on what kind of case we're working on. Uh, and why do we go to court in the first place? Why do we go to court? We go to court because people have committed a crime crimes. And there are a number of crimes in different books. Uh, for example, we have uh, something called the California Vehicle Code. To those of you who drive, there are laws in the California Vehicle Code. You can't break laws. One law is uh, you must stop at a red light. Another law is you cannot drive faster than the posted speed. And there are um, consequences to your negative behavior. And, and you all know that. You, you all it's justice, right? We want justice. Justice has to be served. If we don't have justice, we have chaos. If we have chaos, we have serious problems. Okay, another law, they come out of the California Penal Code. These are laws against, um, these aren't driving laws. These are uh, laws like uh, petty theft, assault and battery, assault with a deadly weapon, serious charges. Some of them are felonies, big charges. Uh, and again, I said, you know, when, when people are charged with crimes, uh, we don't want to see the people who are uh, guilty go unpunished. We don't want to see that. So I'm going to run a couple of things by it to give you a feel of what's happening before I get into Revelation 20. If you get arrested in Alameda County, you get assigned something called a PFN, a personal file number. Everybody gets one. Um, if you get arrested uh, for a federal crime, you get something called an NCIC, a National Crime Information Center number. Those numbers tell law enforcement everything about you. And as fast as computers work today, I can get information just like that. You committed a crime in Florida, I'll know all about it in California. Okay, so, uh, and then also, uh, when you get arrested, you're, you get uh, fingerprinted, you get photographed, we, we have uh, a complete criminal history about you. Where you live, where you live last, who your associates are, what vehicle you drive, the list goes on and on. We can put a lot together. And it's also available to other local law enforcement agencies so everybody can know. Okay, uh, and there have lately, there have been some very high profile cases that have come to fruition and uh, some of the sentences handed down have been pretty, pretty severe. Breaking of bread earlier today, I was talking about a man who has been in prison for the last 37 years. 
But there are life sentences. You can go to prison for life. Mary and I personally know a young man who's in prison right now for life. He's never coming out. No parole. Um, but we would all agree, I believe, that uh, a justified verdict handed down by a jury of the accused peers is right. Um, uh, just last week I read of a 22-year-old male in Oakland convicted of two homicides. He's going to get two, I don't know why they did this, but two life terms. <laughs> you know, he's not coming out ever, so why give him another one? But it's two life terms. Ex- uh, two days ago, ex- uh, CHP officer, ex-CHP officer shot and killed her husband, and they just sentenced her to 50 years in prison. She's 32 years old. She's not going to get out. And then a DUI driver up in Marin County just got after his fifth one, 25 years in prison. Uh, papers are loaded with sentences handed down. Loaded. So why am, I, why am I telling you people this? Why am I talking about PFN numbers? Why am I talking about NCIC numbers? Why am I talking about sentences, rap sheets at, at, a, at a church meeting? Well, the answer is pretty simple. Because there's a book that has laws in it that we're going to talk about briefly. And all of those laws have a, only one sentence. But I want to talk about some others to give you a feel of what's happening. If you understand the criminal justice system a little bit, I already talked about the vehicle code. I already talked about the penal code. I already talked, I didn't talk to you about it, but the health and safety code, it deals with drug offenses. Uh, Welfare and institution code deals with uh, offenses dealing with children, maybe elder abuse, stuff like that. Um, And everyone has laws in it, and every law has a punishment if you break that law, a specific law. There's a punishment. So when you are arrested, you have options. One option is, well, before we even start, you have your Miranda rights. Everybody, if you don't know it, you all have Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to anything that you say can or will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to have an attorney present while you're being questioned. And if you cannot afford to hire an attorney, one will be appointed to represent you. People have rights. Then you have the, uh, the right to have your charges read at a preliminary hearing. And then you have the right to a court trial or a jury trial. It's up to you. Every accused has the right to uh, uh, confront his or her accuser before the trial. And then an individual has to make a determination as to what they want to do. Do they want to plead guilty? Do, wanna, do they want to plead not guilty? Or do they want to plead nolo contendere? It's up to you. A nolo plea is the same thing as uh, um, a guilty plea. I'm not saying I did it. I'm not saying I didn't. I'm not saying nothing. But the judge is going to find you guilty anyway. <laughs> but if you opt for a, uh, a trial, then the judge becomes a trier of fact. The judge becomes the trier of fact. What is said in the courtroom, the judge will determine what he or she is going to do with that. The judge is also the one who hands down the sentence of the accused. Now, a jury can say, well, we think this, but ultimately it's the judge who makes the final determining factor. So in California, we have three types of laws. We have something called an infraction. And infractions are either punishable by a dollar amount or some volunteer work. So an infraction would be you were driving too fast on the freeway. You got stopped. Uh, the policeman wrote you a ticket. You went to court. And the fine is $180. So you can pay the $180 or you can do some volunteer work. But somehow, some way, that has to be resolved. That's an infraction. The next one's called a misdemeanor. A misdemeanor is punishable by a fine 
or up to one year in the county jail. A fine and or, I should say like that, and or up to one year in the county jail. Somebody goes into a store and, 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 and steals something that doesn't belong to them. They get arrested. It's a petty theft. They have to deal with that issue. It's a crime. You can get up to one year in the county jail for that. Uh, the next crime is something called a felony. All felonies are punishable by incarceration in the state penitentiary. And it's one year and a day. Could be a life sentence. It could be a death sentence, depending on what the judge enacts. Everybody understand that? Infractions, misdemeanors, and felonies. Why am I telling you this? Because we're going to talk about a big problem in a minute. There are 23 penitentiaries in the state of California today. They're all full to capacity. San Quentin in Marin County holds our only death row. There are 677 inmates on it as of yesterday. They're all awaiting execution for the crimes that they've committed. Six of the, uh, the uh, 677 are women, and they're down in women's colony in San Luis Obispo. They're all waiting a death sentence. Okay, so that brings me to you guys. That brings me to myself also. What happens if you've never committed a crime? What happens? You've never committed anything that would be an infraction, never committed anything that would be a misdemeanor, and never committed anything that would be a felony. You had no PFN number. You had no NCIC number. In the state of California's eyes, you would be a good person. That's right. In the state of California's eyes. I stopped you on the street and I talked to you. Blah, blah, blah. Who are you? My name is, you know, Joe Doe. Okay, what's your date of birth? I run you out. Joe Doe has no problems with nothing. Joe's a good person. I know a number of people who fit that category today. A number of people who are good people. They're good. A whole bunch of you are sitting in this room today. You're good people. So that's why I want to dial 911 to you. I'm going to dial 911. I wish I had a phone right here. I dial 911. I'm going to call you, good person. I'm going to tell you something about yourself. Because there's a book in it. There's a book, and it's called the Bible. And I have one here. And a number of you have one. This book has a series of laws in it. And none of them is an infraction. None of them is a misdemeanor. All of them are felonies. They require death. And everybody in the room is a lawbreaker. I want to say that to you. Some of you might be offended by that. Tom, I'm not a criminal. In God's sight, you are. I'm telling you right now, in God's sight, you are. And I'll apologize for saying that, but it's the truth. In God's sight, you're a criminal. And if you're a criminal, then you have, you have to pay for your crimes. But all your crimes are worthy of death. Every one of them. And if you've committed only one crime in God's eyes, that crime is worthy of death. It says in Ezekiel 18.4, The soul that sins shall surely die. The soul that sins. But it doesn't tell us how many sins, but we know it's only one. 
So, if that be the case, there's going to be a court date coming. And you're not going to get a subpoena. You're just going to be there. And there isn't going to be an opportunity for you to plead to a lesser included offense. You know, I did this, but it really wasn't that bad, so let's make it this. Like we do today in the state of California. Lesser included offenses sometimes. You're not going to have an opportunity to work a plea deal. You're not going to have that opportunity. Well, you know, if I plead guilty and I pay back the offense, we'll make this go away. It's not how it works. There isn't going to be a public defender there helping you, standing next to you, speaking for you. There isn't going to be no district attorney. (laughs) No way. There isn't going to be a bail hearing. It's just you and the judge. So let me read Revelation 20 to you, verses 11 through 15. Then I, this is John, saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 911, I'm calling you up right now and I'm telling you there's a huge problem that you need to address if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if your name is not written in the book of life, I'm, I, I'm, hold the line open. I'm going to tell the comm operator, hold that line open. Don't shut that line down. Because this is serious information that I'm providing. And it has to do with your soul. And it has to do with eternity. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Fearful. You think that judge in my courtroom who slammed his gavel down, he scared me? (laughs) He's nothing compared to God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the one who created you and I. No. And uh, and, and, And the judge on the stand at the great white throne... Not only is he a fair judge, but his sentence is not only just, it's justified. It's just and justified. There, you know, in Alameda, I've been, I've been in courtrooms all over the place. In Alameda County, errors happen in courtrooms. Errors happen. But in this courtroom, there isn't going to be error one. Sometimes in a courtroom, a judge might, might make a statement to a jury about a case, and he might not uh, give them all of the necessary information. And then all of a sudden, somebody files an appeal, and the judge made a mistake, so the, ju- the uh, sentence that was handed down gets reversed. 
A number of things can happen. But the courtroom that I'm talking about, the judge on that bench, not going to make any mistakes, no errors. Not only is he all-powerful, but in his courtroom, there is no room for rebuttal. None. What he says goes. And if you're standing there before him and you, if your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I'll talk about that here, you're going to know that the sentence that's handed down is a just sentence to you. And so I've said this, uh, but I'm going to say it again. Um, I, I talked about going to court, and I talked about this court, th this one court in Revelation 20. And, and you heard me read that uh, there was a book. It was called the Book of Life. And if your name wasn't in the book, then you were judged. So I would think, what might be the question that you would ask me right now if I just, without statement? Anybody know? How do I get my name in the book of life? That's the question. I, whoa, 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 wait, 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 whoa, wait. How do, how do I get my name in that book? I need to know that. Because if people are judged because their name wasn't written in it, the inference would be that if I had my name in it, I wouldn't be judged. Would you agree? I think so. Okay. <clears throat> But we also realize that, that um, in this case here, if your name isn't... You, you are... If you're standing before this throne with this judge, you're called a defendant. Okay? You're called a defendant. And in courtrooms, you know, when we walk into a courtroom, everybody has to stand up when the judge walks in. Everybody. And then the judge says, be seated. Then you all sit. There's... There's respect in the courtroom. And the defendant gets to hear everything that's going on. Because when it's all said and done, the defendant is either going to be guilty or not guilty of charges that the state has filed. Well, in this case here, the one who's filing the charges is God himself. He's filing the charges. And he doesn't need the DA to do it. You don't have the right to a public defender. But unfortunately, if you're found guilty, well, you will be found guilty if you're there on this particular date. And you'll be cast into the lake of fire. So, who sits on the throne? Who, who's, who's a judge? What's his name? Anybody know? Jesus himself is the judge. Yeah. He's the judge. And he's on the throne, and he's judging anyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In, oh, so that's verse 11. I just want to share that with you. In verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it. That's Jesus himself. Verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. There is going to be, my, uh, friends uh, and brothers and sisters in the room today, there's going to be... Personal accountability for your sins, for your crimes. Crimes against God. My friend Matt Clark said to me earlier, he was talking to a man and the man said, Is lust a crime? 
How can lust be a crime? It's in my head. It's a vic- if anything, it's victimless. Really? It's victimless? It's like prostitution today. It's a victimless crime? That's not true. No way. If you have lust in your heart, then you've committed a crime against God, and God knows it. If you've coveted somebody else's whatever, it's a crime against God. If you've stolen something, I don't care if it, I don't care what it is, a paper clip, it's a crime against God. If you've hated someone in your heart, hated someone, God says that's the same thing as murder, then you've committed a crime against God. And we have to come to grips with that, that we're criminals. I used to think, uh, Years ago, I've been a believer almost 30 years now, and I, I, I used to think that I'm the guy with the white hat on, and all the bad guys got the black one on, and I'm the defender of the faith. You want the cops, the cops will be there. You want me to take care of business, I'll take care of business. I'm a good guy. And those 677 people at San Quentin State Penitentiary are bad guys. But over the years, I have come to realize, I have come to realize that I'm no better than those guys at San Quentin. I've committed crimes just like they have. But the crimes that I've committed, I've committed against God himself. And if you haven't, if you haven't thought about it that way, then your, your thought process is somewhat skewed. Somewhat skewed. Because God has made it very clear that if we sin, we've broken his laws, we've committed crimes, we have to pay for those. We have to pay for them. And there's only one way to... You can't even post bail. Did you know that? You can't even post bail and then, and then take off like a, a guy did. They found a husband and wife in Mexico last week. They'd uh, uh, killed a little boy and, and his sister and they left him and then they went to Mexico for almost uh, uh, nine years. Well, they got found. Yeah, they got found. Yeah. You're not going to escape is what I'm trying to say. Okay, David wrote in Psalm 51, because David had the right thought process when it came to God. He said, against thee and thee alone I have sinned. Against, against you, God, I have sinned. This is when he, when he, um, he and Bathsheba got involved and, in, 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 well, he, he committed murder is what he did. He didn't actually commit the murder, but he, he designed it so that it would, in fact, happen. But he realized he committed a, a crime against God, against you and you alone. Okay, and so I just want to say this because I think it's important to, to just make sure that we understand, you know, uh, the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments were given. They were given to show each and every one of us that we can't commit one. We can't, we can't uh, obey one. We can't. We fall so, so short. Anybody remember, in, uh, some of you who, who don't have a Bible or haven't read your Bible, it's in, it's in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. This young man, he was, a, he was rich, and he, and, he, and he said, Good teacher, how can I inherit eternal life? How can I? And, 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 and when Jesus was talking to him, you know, he felt compassion for this guy. He just did. Because he asked the guy, he says, well, in fact, let me read it really fast. I feel bad for the man. Uh, Mark 10. <clears throat> it's between Luke and Matthew, if I can find it. 
I know where it is. <clears throat> now, uh, verse 17. Now, as he was running out onto the road, uh, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. This is Jesus talking to this young man. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And this young man, delusional as he was, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. So what he's really saying is, there ain't nothing I've done wrong. Look at me. I'm perfect. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Gosh, you got to love that, huh? Jesus loved him. And said to him, one thing that you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. The thing that this young man had that he wasn't willing to give up was his riches. Because the next verse says, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. The Ten Commandments. Did the man love the Lord his God with his whole heart? He loved money more. He loved money more. So he broke one right there. You broke the one, you broke them all. You break the one, death sentence coming your way. It's that simple. Okay. Uh, in um, in Revelation 20, uh, the small and the great stand before the Lord. They are all unbelievers throughout all the ages. The book of life contains the names of all who have, rede- who have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning we talked about that when we worshiped the Lord. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The other book contains a detailed record of the works of the unsaved. Remember I told you you're going to give personal accountability? Detailed records of everything that you've done. Nobody who appears at this, at this judgment is registered in the Lamb's Book of Life, for starters. Nobody is. No one. The fact that your name is missing condemns you already. And then um, there will be a record of one's evil works, and that's going to really... Uh, commentaries say that it's going to uh, really set the degree of punishment. And then the lake of fire, when I say that they were thrown into the lake of fire, the lake of fire is hell. It's the same thing as hell, the lake of fire. So the deciding factor again, I'm going to come back, is, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? If your name is inscribed there, you're not even, you're not even going to be at this. You're not even going to be there. Uh, I want to talk about hell for just a moment or the lake of fire because some people don't really understand. Uh, the Bible says it's a very, it's a very real place. I'm going to give you a couple of quick, um, six different things about, about hell that you should know. And we could break it down, but I'm, I'm going to run out a little bit of time if I do that. The Bible says it's a place that's full of torment. Full of torment. Secondly, it's a place that you're going to actually feel pain. Actually feel pain. It's a place, the Bible says, that's blackness of darkness. 
you won't even be able to see your hand in front of your face. You're going to be able to hear wailing and weeping continually. There is going to be no rest day or night. And then the worst thing about hell is that you're going to be away from the presence of the Lord, your Creator. You're not going to even... You're just cast. It's... Popular to contrary beliefs. Oh, if I go to hell, all my friends are going to be there and we're going to have a great time. That is a, that is a bold, flat lie, people. That is a bold, flat lie. You're going to be all alone. And it's for eternity. It's not just for 50 years to life, 25 years, 7 years, 3 years with good behavior you get out. No. It is for eternity so why would somebody want to be sentenced to hell for eternity why I guess the first reason is I don't believe God I don't believe the Bible it's a, no he, he didn't really mean what he said I can't believe it no righteous God is going to send me to hell for eternity listen to me I want you to know I'm dialing that 911 again I want you to know that it is true. Amen. It is true. It's important for you to realize that God is going to send people to hell for eternity. However, there is a way of escape. Did you know that? There is a way of escape. Second Peter, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John 3.16. A bunch of you know that verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He even says that if you come to him, Hebrews 10, 7, the sin, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. I will remember no more. Are you getting a clue here? Just a little clue that God doesn't want you to perish. He wants your name in the Lamb's book of life. He wants you to realize that you're a sinner and the sins that you've committed have a price associated with it. There is a price. So how do I escape the judgment? I'm telling you right now, I'm going to pretend I'm on a helicopter right now. I'm throwing you a lifeline. And all you have to do is grab that line. I'm going to throw it at you right now. Here, here comes a lifeline. The building is burning. I'm throwing a ladder so you can get on it. I'm throwing it to you right now. You're going to get shot. I'm going to stand in the way. I have a bulletproof vest on and you don't. I want to save your life is what I'm telling you right now. I want to save your life. Your eternal life. Jesus Christ died for you. And He died for me to pay for our sins. He was willing to go to the cross at Calvary. He was willing to die for you and all that you have done in your life. And I don't care what it is. It could be murder. But you've got to believe that. And you've got to trust Him. And you have to realize... That he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to go to hell. 
He does not want you to be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. He wants your name. He wants you to come to him and have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. But it's a choice that you have to make. Because if you choose not to grab that lifeline, don't grab it. You don't want to climb that ladder, don't climb it. You don't want to get behind me if a guy is shooting at you. You don't have to do that. It's a choice that you make. And I'm not going to twist your arm to make it. But I'm going to tell you. I'm grabbing that phone again. 911, this is your emergency. If you don't accept what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross at Calvary, then you're going to have to pay for your own sins. Remember I told you, they're not infractions. They're not misdemeanors. They're all felonies with a death sentence associated with it. It's a capital crime. It's a capital crime. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Him and His finished work on the cross for the payment of your sins because you've committed crimes against the holy, righteous God. However, your sins have already been paid for. They've already been paid for at the cross. All you have to do is accept it. Some people will. Some people won't. If you do, your name is inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you don't, and I can't... See, here's the problem. It's a big problem. I can't guarantee you tomorrow. I can't guarantee you 2 o'clock today. Anything can happen. And then there's judgment. You could be driving your car down the road, people. I have been to hellacious automobile collisions. I have been, I have seen people grasping that last breath. I have seen people die. None of us know what tomorrow's going to be. None of us know. And we need to be ready today. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. I don't want to see anybody punished. When Don asked me, hey, Tom, do you mind preaching that message in a couple of weeks? I've been thinking about people. And I said, yes, I will. So those of you in here today who know for a fact, man, I don't, my name isn't in that book. I don't even know what that book's all about. Then I'm going to implore you. I'm going to beg you to seek the Lord while he may be found. Have your name etched in that book of life and live your life out for the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, the great white throne is a place that you're going to go to. And the judge, Jesus Christ, is going to be there and you will be sentenced. And this is the testimony that God has given us. John, 1 John 5, 11 to 13. Uh, let me say it again. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and that life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I have written to you who in the name of the Son of God, who, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I don't believe anybody here is here today perchance, to be honest with you. I don't think this is a perchance meeting that we came out of Florida, that we came out of Fairhaven, that we came wherever we came from. I do not believe that. I believe that if you are not saved, then you do not have a relationship with Jesus. I know that for a fact. And the Bible says that you have to give an account for your sins that you have committed. But if you trust that Jesus died for you on the, uh, on the cross at Calvary, your sins can be forgiven. And you will not have to face that dreadful court date 
and it will be a dreadful date. It's a choice that you have to make. You can spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, or you can spend eternity in hell. It's up to you. I would love people in here to say, you know what? I've pondered what you've had to say. I realize that I'm a sinner. I'm a criminal in the sight of God. Call it what it is. Let's not mealy-mouth this thing. Let's call it what it is. I'm a criminal in the sight of God. And I should be sentenced to hell for eternity. But I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone for the salvation of my soul. I don't know when that court date is, my friends. I got subpoenas, so I know what court dates they are. But this one date, I don't know when it is. You need to be ready. So I'm just going to leave you with that today. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that we have your word. We're grateful that you tell us in your word that you wish that none would perish. But we do realize that we have a sin issue that we need to address. And our sins are crimes that have a death sentence associated with them. We realize that the Lord Jesus Christ had paid for all of it. He has paid for our crimes in full. Lord, if there's anyone here today who does not know you in a personal way, they know that their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I pray that they would resolve that issue today. I pray they would not have to face a holy, righteous judge who will condemn them for all eternity. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word today. Thank you for those who have ears to hear, and I pray that they would hear. And we give thanks this morning in the Savior's precious name. Amen.